Welcome to the Transition Bridge Podcast, the podcast that will help you embrace, grow, and be transformed by the transitions of life. Now here's your host, Debbie Ronka. Welcome to the Transition Bridge Podcast. I'm Debbie Ronka, your host. And today we are going to tackle the topic of narcissism. It's a huge topic. So many lives are impacted by narcissism. We may have been raised by parents who were narcissists. We may have married a narcissist. Or we may be the narcissist and not even realize it. My guest today, Derek Newborn, is what I would call an expert on this topic. His personal story, his transformation, and his pure passion to help others who are plagued by narcissism is both powerful and full of insight for all of us. Derek would share that after being named one of Florida's top personal trainers, he went on to become a published fitness model. And the more attention I received, the more self-destructive I became in every aspect of my life, which led to rock bottom, multiple suicide attempts. I had become a full-blown narcissist. And after accepting that, I devoted myself to killing that version of myself while helping victims of narcissism gain back control of their heart and their minds. I created the newborn blueprint to help men avoid the common pitfalls that lead to extreme narcissism, as well as show others what to look for to avoid entering a relationship with a narcissist. I've been a teenage father, a construction worker, a personal trainer, a fitness model, and a business owner. I've also been a liar, a cheater, a backstabber, and a narcissist. Through my trials, the tribulations, and the downfalls, I've been able to create a blueprint for success for the modern man. I've created a set of plans specifically designed to help men live every aspect of their life at the highest level while being able to avoid the costly pitfalls of the modern male society. Derek, welcome to the Transition Bridge Podcast. I'm so grateful for your experience and your wisdom just in this whole topic of narcissism. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and I'm looking, <laughs> looking forward to talking about the crazy topic that is narcissism and every, every aspect about the good, bad, and the ugly. You know, crazy is probably the right word <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to use, right? Because boy, this, this is um, not only a difficult subject, but a difficult person and it's a difficult place to be in. Yes. So yeah, so share your journey with us. Yeah, so essentially, um, as you kind of as you kind of touched on, started off um, as a super successful personal trainer. But before that, growing up through my life from an early age, there was a constant form of abandonment that would show up, whether it be through my parents, through my through my friends. Um, it just kept. It was a repeating pattern that that kept showing up in my life, and. You know, I, there was a time when I, I dreamt of having a successful fitness business. I dreamt of having this amazing um, woman by my side and just being super happy with life. And I got this successful um, fitness business. I got the woman by my side that I had dreamt of. 
and still I found myself empty and un unhappy inside. And through the successful fitness business on top of becoming um, a fitness model, there's a lot of attention. And I noticed every single day I was doing a lot of taking and zero giving. However, even though it felt so bad inside, it, I couldn't figure out how to change it or why I was even doing those things and repeating those, repeating those patterns, they just became more severe and more severe. And it was all about what I could gain from anybody and everybody. And especially those people that loved me and who were closest to me received the, received the most damage and took the most um, shrapnel. So lying, cheating, using friends, family, just to make myself feel good or make me be seen in a positive light was the only thing that I cared about. And eventually people can only deal with so much of that before you don't really give a, you don't really give them an option to um, turn away. And so obviously once there was nobody left to, to turn to or to um, use, it's kind of at rock bottom. And when there's nobody else to point fingers at, there's only really, you only got two options. You can either change or keep the way, keep the way you're going. So once I was at rock bottom, I knew inside that it wasn't the person, the character that I was displaying was not who I was meant to be. Like it didn't, none of it felt good. I knew there was, there was something going on. So, and that's how the, multiple suicide attempts um, came because I was trying to kill that spirit of this narcissist that was created. I didn't truly want to end my life, but I was trying to, trying to kill that um, spirit side of me. So at rock bottom, got a lot of time, got a lot of time to think. So I just started tracing my footprints backwards. How could I mess up everything that I've wanted in my life? I had in the palm of my hand and through no fault of anybody else's, I literally destroyed it all. So that's how I started replaying from my first childhood memory of trauma of my my father being um, sent away to jail, which caused you know my mother to be a single parent, which caused me sleeping on the school steps night and day, et cetera, et cetera, all the way up through um, in my early twenties. I I was I was married got divorced but I had come home and all of my stuff had been taken away and, and she was gone and in that moment I truly feel like was where I finally told myself this is enough of people abandoning me I'm only going to look out for number one and that's what I started doing until I've created so much damage that I like I said I wound up at round round up at rock bottom essentially and then from rock bottom is where I started building, taking ownership and admitting that I was very narcissistic and working on killing that, killing that side of me without physically killing myself. Right. What is so interesting, because one of the things that I was going to ask you, um, what are the roots of narcissism? Yeah. Because there's a root and a reason behind everything why we behave act and feel the way exactly. we do so there's always root in fact that's what i love to help women with let's get to the root of the wound because yeah. it, we act it out in our adult lives but it always 
goes back, but I didn't, I never thought about narcissism and it and its roots. And so as you're sharing about that abandonment as being your root, I just found that really fascinating and interesting as and I could see how that happened. Yeah. Like, what, um, I was going to say what most people don't like to hear is that narcissists they're they're not born no one's born a narcissist right so there's there number one there's certain things that have to occur to them early on or at some point in the past before you encounter them and to become a narcissist they have to be given fuel that fuels the narcissism right mm -hmm. if you cut them off there's nothing nothing for them so yeah the like i said my abandonment issues started super early and they and they kept repeating and repeating and repeating and nobody nobody told me what that actual feeling was nobody told me why these things happened the way they did for me when everybody else was living other lives so you take those years of abandonment and then fast forward to my years in the limelight and all all the attention and that's just throwing fuel on the fire of me never wanting to be abandoned again and you know i mean those years of abandonment people just left me hanging high and dry without so i was like hey this person could leave me high and dry at any given time i need to get what i can from them before they before they leave me even though they most of them never had plans of leaving me they were they were they loved me you know boy that is the the confusing part isn't it because part of you was like protecting yourself so you wouldn't be abandoned again but then you had to adopt like this other personality that wasn't really you mm -hmm that you were yeah. reject rejecting people before they would reject you so you wouldn't be abandoned yeah, and yeah and what what you what usually happens is like i said i spent so many years laying in bed visualizing doing everything i could to create the exact life i wanted and that fear of abandonment was so strong that i was able to create everything i wanted it and the fear of abandonment was so strong that I was able to, the exact thing I didn't want to happen is what, what happened because of my such large amount of trauma for abandonment in my life, if that makes sense. So like the people, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it does. You know, it, it's interesting. Sometimes, um, I don't know if you ever heard about like the power of vows, like we'll say, yeah. I will never do this. I will never be. But it's like this spiritual force that we create, we send out, and the very thing we say we will not be or do, we become. That's so, percent what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I could so see that. So it's interesting. So do narcissists all, do each person have their own style of symptoms? Like it sounds like you created something like a fortress to protect yourself, and there were you know, different yeah. symptoms that came out or is it classic? No, I mean, so, so the inside, the inner workings of a narcissist, there's not much there. there. There's, there's emptiness, whether it comes from abandonment or whatever may have, may have happened prior to you experiencing them. So they're always going to portray the opposite of how they're feeling inside. So like me being a, fitness model and all that stuff a lot of publicity with my shirt on and and stuff like that and real life i stay covered up as possible because i don't like the way 
I look. And that's just like a face value example. So like if you go even even deeper emotionally, so whatever they tried to portray as like a good-hearted person who cares about everybody, the opposite is going inside. They they don't feel trusted. They don't trust anybody, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever this narcissist portrays, the exact opposite is what's going on inside of them. And for narcissists, if, you know, people, if they're still getting the fuel from anywhere, there's really no reason for them to have any kind of self-reflection because inside they know how terrible it feels and what they're feeling. And so they can just keep getting these cheap hits of dopamine and feeling worthiness that's a much, that's a much easier path than, you know, essentially turning your back and doing self-reflection because it takes a lot of transparency. There's not, there's not a lot of good things where you're going to look. Yeah. You got to, you know, be pretty, pretty honest with yourself, but if you're still getting all that gasoline into your engine, there's really no reason for you to slow down. So when you say gasoline, like do do we without realizing it enable a narcissist to continue? Yeah. Yeah. So a narcissist will always attract a certain type of partner. And usually that partner is a people pleaser or an or an empath. Like in my um specific relationship during that time, she was such a good-hearted person that she always tried to find a way to understand whatever downfall occurred or whatever struggle I was going through. So she always tried to understand and and forgive and try to keep keep things going. However, all that did subconsciously was like, this is another pass. Let me see what else I can get, you know, get away with, et cetera. Whereas if she would have put her foot down and called me out and ran away at the first sign of it, then I probably wouldn't have gone down such a dark, dark path. You know what I mean? So that's how a person would add fuel to the fires, trying to be understanding and trying to, you know, not make excuses like, oh, he's just going through A, B or C or, oh, it was a mistake. I I forgive him. Forgiveness is great, but you also have to have accountability on both ends for what each person contributes to that narcissistic relationship. That's interesting. So if someone is married to a narcissist, that would be your advice. Is there something you would add to that? Um, I always first thing is try to get a third party involved, whether it's a spiritual mentor or basic mm-hmm. form of, of therapy where there's a safe environment for the partner to express that their partner is a narcissist and narcissist can maybe even express what's really going on inside. And instead of just, cause when you get like a narcissist is very sensitive to negative words. So if you even dare call them something that's even remotely close to how they're feeling, that's going to cause them to lose, lose their mind. Right. It's like throwing salt on a wound that they don't want you to know they have a wound. So I always, I, I mean, I always advise get a third party in involved I've personally gone through spiritual mentoring, every form of physical therapy, every type of help I could try, I could try to find. So I would always suggest a third party um, support system before you completely run away. I I think that's such pure wisdom because you need, you need the objective voice and Mm -hmm. 
and I guess you would both have to be there at the same time with the third party because I think the narcissist could say one thing yeah and make you kind of look a little crazy yeah uh, yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah 100 no I, I I definitely suggest three people in the room and that third party being completely completely um neutral you know well tell me how what I, I find fascinating about your story, because I know like narcissists that like you just shared, they don't want to be exposed. Mm -hmm. And the closer they feel like you're going to figure them out, um, they, they, they do something, they retreat or whatever, they don't want to be exposed. So I think it takes a lot of courage to step out and say, I need help. So what was the pivotal moment for you? How did how did you find the courage to say enough? Like, what was that defining moment? The defining moment was, and, strange, and strangely, it happened um, a few years ago on Easter weekend, and the whole reborn thing lined up crazy, crazy. Um, but essentially, it came down to the scenario of my ex-partner, her, all the other women I had affairs with, essentially everybody that I love the most all came into one room and essentially called me out and everybody was able to express the truth about me, what I'd been doing, et cetera. Like it just, there was, there was essentially nowhere left for me to hide. There was no more words for me to say there's nothing. And it was, you know, everybody, it was all, it was all out. So I obviously was on my own and just replaying everything again. Like there was always something inside my soul that knew I was out of alignment. Mm -hmm. So I had nothing to hide from anymore from the people that I cared about the most. Everybody knew everything. So that was a relief in a sense. Like it finally, I had a monkey off my back. I, I didn't have to lie anymore, which means I didn't have to remember anything because the truth, I, you don't have to try to fabricate the truth. So it was just me and all my BS laid out. And it was like, what do I want to do with this? I know these people, I know my parents still love me. I know everybody else is okay now that they know who I am. So then it was a matter of like, literally just backtracking okay, I did this. I was cheating for this many years. What happened to lead me to cheating? Okay. I was married, divorced. I got left hanging high and dry. Okay. When was the last time I got hung high and dry? That was a couple years ago. And then that's how I started unpacking. I was like, well, dang, I've, <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been abandoned all these years. So all I was trying to do was not be abandoned. And then, so I had to look at, you know, I even tried to have hard conversations about people I hurt, like what exact, how do I, how did those actions make you feel? And then you have to absorb those. And then you kind of absorb all those. And like, I was nothing but a self-centered narcissist. So acknowledging that, once you start acknowledging that nobody else can call you a narcissist, you're not going to tell me anything I don't know, right? So there's mm -hmm. freedom, there's freedom in that coming out and taking ownership of it and then it was just a matter of okay from here on out 
every decision I make, I pretty much need to do the opposite of what I've done in the past because I know what those past decisions lead to. So then it's just a myth. It really just comes down to, like I said, mentally, emotionally killing that side of you, cutting off the fuel, cutting off the fire that keeps it going until there's nothing left but you. And then from there, you can start rebuilding yourself minus this dark soul you had attached to you. Was but, this like an intervention? Like, did you know when you walked into this room or what? Like, um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> how did this happen? It was, a, it was an unplanned intervention. It was essentially really a matter of me not being able to keep up with my lies. And it just so happened everybody wound up in the, in the same place. I mean, it's not funny, but it's. Yeah. It wasn't like a scheduled serious sit down with Derek. It just kind of naturally happened one night and you know it was it, it's as much as it hurt and as embarrassing it was mm -hmm. and as drama filled it was it's essentially what had to happen like i said it became a peaceful moment in being exposed to everybody that I cared about because now i could quit running i could quit hiding i could quit portraying something that i'm not you know, the old scripture, the truth will set you free. Yeah, right? it there, always did. <laughs> <laughs> something so powerful. And, and I love how you share that you, you couldn't deny any longer. Yeah. And I mean, it was all there from multiple voices. You couldn't refute anything. And that broke the power of that lie that you were living yeah, under. Wow, how free. No wonder you, is that why you call... Uh, your process the newborn the the what do you call it, the newborn blueprint yes ma'am yes ma'am it's a it's a essentially it's a blueprint that was created off all of my downfalls from start from start to finish because there's there's a lot of um men out there that are good men that could have whatever happened to them or they're currently living out of alignment but they have a certain image and certain responsibility that to live up to and if you don't you know address that out of alignment it's going to start eating at you and you're going to become more and more 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 destructive so really it's just a blueprint of all the hard lessons i've learned so that men don't have to go down essentially the same the same path even if they are full-blown narcissists if they've you know done a lot of bad things the newborn blueprint is just a place to come without judgment or questioning or chastising to essentially just grab the tools to start changing the direction of your life do you meet with them one-on-one -on -one or is this a course that they they take how does we, that we we meet one-on-one -on -one over um over zoom or phone calls once a week and then there's there's homework each week that they that they have to do but yeah it's a 12 12 week um course so let me ask you this because i'm learning a lot are there levels of narcissism like you said full-blown narcissists are yeah. there pe people that maybe have one or two symptoms and then there's people that are have a multitude like where they're arrogance or their inflated yeah. ego or yeah you know, i mean this i definitely there's there's levels to narcissism in the sense of you know i think there's extreme narcissism where if they're in a relationship they're physically controlling, mentally controlling, emotionally abusive, 
and have extremely fragile egos that they have to have to protect where um, my level was just just trying to protect me never never physical or violent or negative just kind of like going to each person's store and robbing it and leave it instead of like burning the thing you know what i mean right so right. i think there's def definitely levels um and i think there's there's minimal levels you know just by being dishonest every day in order to protect how you're feeling i think that might be how it starts and if you don't address it the snowball gets bigger like in my like in my my case and if you don't address it and you keep you know letting people close to you fuel the fire it's only going to get get bigger and bigger yeah, it must be exhausting after a while trying to hold that yeah. burden and keep it going extreme it, it is oh. it is it is exhausting it's exhausting on it's ex mainly it's exhausting on your soul yeah, yeah. You know, our, our soul is supposed to be a source of life and uh, peace for us. Yeah, we can yeah. really impact our souls. So yeah, and, and healing in our soul and our hearts, you know, our hearts have a voice. Mm -hmm. um, all the issues of life come out of our heart. So like if, if we're in that wounded place, like you were sharing the abandonment, that just that just becomes like that open door. Yeah for everything else to come in. So you were, you have in here, like you can help people with signs of uh, narcissism. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so how do you help people not get into the relationships? Like, what are the signals that a woman should look for or a man um, that this, that's like a red flag, like you better, that's not a good relationship? Um, essentially, Number one, if their actions don't quite line up with their words. So maybe they express that they want a committed relationship, but they, but they don't do the daily committed things of a relationship. Or in a social setting, they brag about having a great life with, with you. But then when you guys go home, you guys barely talk and you feel neglected and unloved so that's what i mean when actions don't line up line up with the words um and another sign is usually indecisiveness so if you're in a relationship and they can't quite make a decision if they want to be together or not be together so they do just enough to keep you going and then but they also tell you that they don't think it's working so then you're like in this limbo and they just keep pulling energy from you and pulling love from you when they when they need it without asking you you know where where you're at so you just keep dragging along being like all right he's struggling let's let i'll do what he says you know what i mean so th things a lot of a lot of taking without giving so maybe you do things for that person and they don't reciprocate in your love language would be the right if, mm -hmm. that, if that makes sense sure it becomes more of like a one-way relationship or self-centered yeah. if it a one-way relationship but then there's always an excuse of why it's one way and that person really has to get to the root of their problem right the root of the reason 
Exactly. And usually the, since the narcissist hasn't addressed their issues, now their partner has all these issues that they have to address later on. So it it sets off a, a chain reaction. And so does the other partner sometimes feel like it's their fault? Uh, they always feel like they're doing something wrong or they feel guilty because a narcissist is really good at making somebody feel guilty for their own, mm. own stuff. So yeah, there's all, there'll always be a constant feeling of like guilt or the, before they know it, they're apologizing for things that they shouldn't be apologizing for, or they're constantly saying, sorry for overreacting or sorry, I did this when really you had all the, <laughs> you weren't overreacting. You were just expressing your feelings. And so that person actually winds up changing like the partner. So yeah. would that be a signal to like, wait a minute, I'm not who I used to be. I'm kind of oh, changing yeah. for the other person. Yeah. Yeah. If you start losing the moment, you'll, you'll know, just like the narcissist out of alignment in, inside and can tell something's off. It's just a reflection to the outer world. So you're going to start feeling the same thing. Something's off with me. I'm not, I would never do this. I would never stand for this. I would never. A, B, or C. So it, like I said, it's just a chain reaction. It's a direct, direct reflection into yeah. the, into the partner. And sometimes it could be subtle, like listening to you right now, like some of it's kind of subtle, but if it's yeah. consistent and it just keeps happening. Okay. That's really good to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the small subtle ones are the dangerous ones. Cause like you said, they're small and subtle, but they're consistent. And that's all you really need is consistency. Let me, so I think about children who are raised by narcissistic parents, Mm -hmm. you know, how do they turn out? I don't know how they turn out. I get a lot of messages from females in that situation where they're separated from their child's, um, father and the father's a narcissist and they're worried about their children becoming one and all i i think the only thing you can do if you're in that situation is directly ask the child how they feel and then express to them why certain things are happening because for me nobody expressed to me that since your father's going away, this is what's going, this is what's going to, this is why your life is going to happen this way. You know I mean? Nobody had those conversations with me and like checked in with me, not because they were bad parents or support system. They just, they were doing the best they could with the situation they'd be given. You know what I mean? So right, it's not, right. not to blame. So all you can really do is have honest conversations and at that age, cause you know, their minds are like sponges. So it's, you can't communicate enough to them and make sure that they don't feel abandoned, that they don't feel like they have to act a certain way because that's how their uh, parent acts. So I think communication is key at that, at that adolescence that can prevent a lot of sabotage later on. That is so true. And sometimes we think as parents, it's so, we're thinking, oh, that's a difficult conversation. I don't think I could have that conversation, but we're not really thinking about what's going on in the soul of that child and what they don't know how to process. Yeah. I mean, big moment in life. If you want to get super point blank, right. If a parent is with a child and they're like, that's a, that's, that's a tough um, conversation. I don't think I can have that with my child. 
or you can then you end up fast forwarding 30 years in my case, and then you find your child with a suicide attempt. And that's, that's something as a parent, you don't ever want to see. So you can not compare the two, but if you look at, all right, if I have this tough conversation now as a child, it will prevent my child and me from experiencing tragedy. And then I feel like maybe that can help you get the conversation started. Because then that becomes the lesser conversation, right? It's just, right. let's have the one we think is the hardest to prevent yeah. something. And, and I think when children are quiet and they don't express, you just know something internal yeah. is, is going yeah. on in there. Yeah. I was always super, super quiet, very quiet. Yeah. So that's a good thing to know. See, we're learning so much just listening to your story because I, I believe there's a lot of people out there that they could be the narcissist and they're kind of getting weary and tired. And yeah, I mean, and, it, it, it breaks my heart because at least once or twice a week, I'll wake up to a message on my social media from a guy and there it's either a message or it's an actual post that they made that is essentially them confessing about being a narcissist and confessing their downfalls and either before I respond or not, they have deleted it and, re and removed it oh. from, from there. And so I know, like, I know there's men out there that are dying to shake this issue, but they're successful. They're married. They have a lot of responsibility. They have an image, whatever, whatever it may be. So I know, I know they're, they're out there and they're in that, in that position. Isn't that sad? You probably found just enough courage to say, this is who I am, but then yeah, yeah take it away before someone could reach out. Well, I pray they reach out again. Yeah, me too. Cause oh my gosh, they need it. So like my heart really goes out to the victims as well of narcissism mm -hmm. because their, their hearts are wounded, their souls are bruised and how, how do they recover? I mean, I'm I think they they recover the same way a, a narcissist recover recover the same way as if it was a physical loss. So I've had many part not many, but the partners that were close to me have recovered in their own different ways. You know, one was treated like uh, like I actually died, so she had a period of mourning where you mourn that person that was and then you start re rebuilding your life as if they don't exist anymore right and that's and then there's other where they still struggle with the trauma that they endured for years and they're still trying to unravel it through therapy through self-help through retreats um but it's it's much like any uh, any other trauma you endured this trauma firsthand you know what i mean so there's no protocol because everybody responds to trauma trauma different but essentially it's you have to start at mourning that person that was or that image to, of that person that you thought they were that person they're they're they have to be dead to you and that that cuts cuts off the attachment cuts off the lifeline is painful and is hurtful and is 
sad as it can be, that's essentially where you, where you have to start. If not, then there's always attachment to the narcissist. Mm. And that's really hard if you're like a encourager or nurturer by nature. Yeah. You kind of want to just stay in there and hope that you could fix it. But it, it really that's, is the responsibility of the narcissist. Yeah, that's, that's who the narcissist attracts are nurturers and empaths. So for that nurturer to, you know, draw a definitive line in the sand and go through that morning and, and loss without worrying about if that narcissistic person is try to commit suicide does you can't worry about if they're struggling if they're you know i mean you have you endured all these things and now you have to recover to get back to yourself because you have to be whole especially if you have a family you know somebody has to keep that going and i think a lot of people when you talk about trauma i in my coaching i will use a trauma prayer Okay. Uh, that just like we'll lift a measure of the trauma, but I, and part of it is the trauma from the words that we hear. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people don't think about the impact of words, you know, yeah. how it goes right, right to the core of your soul. It really breaks down your own identity, the image of who you are. It just, they could be so destructive. Yeah. And, yeah. I was going to, I was going to say like, the trauma of my partners, I was, it, their main trauma was my direct actions. Mm. I was never out to hurt them or say hurtful things or would I ever say hurtful things or conflict in that situation. But then on my side, my trauma are like my healing right now is word trauma. So like people accusing me of things that I used to do or people still call me a narcissist. So like I have trauma with words. And I feel like my partners, past victims have trauma with actual actions. Mm. That's very interesting. And I, yeah, I could see how that would be, especially for you with the words. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you shared that. So Derek, I want you to just take some time uh, for the audience who's listening. If there's something that you want to say to the person who is the narcissist and something that you want to say to those who are suffering being in that relationship with a narcissist just um why don't you just share some words of life encouragement and maybe a call to action yeah so to the narcissist listening we both know how you feel inside how tired and fatigued your spirit is, how much hurt you're causing the people that you love and how much hurt you're causing yourself. Allow yourself to break free from all the burdens that you carry. They're not yours to carry. They're yours to learn from. So take everything that you've experienced and start using it for good because you were put here to do good and do amazing things. So if you're not sure how to do that or how it even looks at looks like, all you have to do is contact me on the newborn blueprint. We'll get you situated, but I feel for you. I know exactly how you feel. I know how the opinion of others make you feel. 
I'm here to help you. To the victims of narcissism and partners that partners of a narcissist, if you truly love that person, you have to remove yourself. If you ever hope for a change in them, you have to remove yourself. If you dream of an amazing future with that person, you have to remove yourself because the person you're in a relationship right with right now is not the person you're in love with. And until you walk away, the person you're in love with cannot show up. It's not easy. It's not enjoyable, but it is mandatory for the sake of both of you, if that's what you want. Derek, thank you for that. You truly just offered a lifeline filled with, filled with truth and wisdom. So whoever's listening, this is a light of rope is being thrown to you to say, come on in, come on in, come on into that place where you can find the freedom and find the healing because just like Derek would share, he came out of darkness into marvelous light and that's there for you too. Derek, I'm so honored to have had you with me today. Oh, it's been an honor. I really enjoyed it so much, so much. Me as well. And I just believe this is going to be one of those ripple effect episodes. And so for everyone who's listening, please share with your friends. All of us know someone who's impacted by narcissism one way or the other. So let's let this episode be a tool of life. Uh, the anchor that's being thrown out so that people can come and find hope to live again. And I want you to reach out to Derek, uh, the newborn blueprint.com. And I'll have his information in our show notes. Again, your, your journey, your transformation is just bringing so much healing to so many lives, Derek. I just bless you and what you're doing. And I just pray that it continues to grow, that the territory underneath your feet just enlarges so that you can reach masses all over the world with the truth that oh, comes from your experience. That means a lot. I, pre- I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you all for being with us today as we come together to grow, embrace, and be transformed by the purpose and power of our transitions. Thank you for joining us today on the Transition Bridge Podcast. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed listening today, please go ahead and subscribe or review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes. And for more information about Debbie, go to DebbieRonka.com. That's D-E-B-I-R-O-N-C-A.com.